kids make it out? They did? Okay. Think back for a moment or two of when you were a kid. Now, I realize for some of you that's going to be a little longer back than for others, so I'm going to give you a second. Are you there yet? A couple more seconds? Okay. Think back to when you were a kid, and you would go to the park to play. Maybe you played kickball, maybe you played tag. Eventually, all the standard games would get old, and my guess is you'd eventually start making up games, maybe playing a little bit of make-believe, like role-playing things, right? Now, if you were into Westerns, if you were into the standard Louis L'Amour books, maybe you became the damsel in distress. Maybe you became the bad guys that stole the damsel in distress. Yeah. Maybe you became the hero. Every Louis L'Amour book had a hero who would rescue the damsel in distress, put her on the back of his horse, ride off into the sunset. You would play those games, yes? Maybe you didn't like westerns. Maybe you were more into, is Star Wars sci-fi? I don't even know. Okay, sci-fi. Maybe you would pretend you were Star Wars and for a moment or two on the playground you were Luke or Leia. Han Solo, Chewie, you were a Wookiee, right? Or for those dark and sinister ones, which I know we have a few of those, maybe you were Darth Vader or Yoda. If you're short and green, maybe you were Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps you didn't, you didn't resonate with any of those. Perhaps you were like a sports kid. And when you started to dream, when you started to play, you put yourself in the 1997 finals, the Chicago Bulls against the Utah Jazz, and you pictured yourself as Michael Jordan. Sick as could be. Game five, right? 38 points, seven rebounds, five assists, two, one block shot, and something else. Maybe you were Michael. Perhaps you weren't quite that bold to say you'd be the best basketball player ever, so you decided you'd be Scotty, the trusty sidekick who would help carry Michael to the bench during timeouts. Make-believe, right? Role-play. You'd put yourself in the story and you'd pick a character because maybe you thought that character had traits that you have. Maybe you wanted to be like that character. Maybe when others looked at you, you hoped that's what they saw. Over the last three weeks, we have been in the book of Jonah. And today we wrap up our series Today I want to ask you, thinking through the story of Jonah, if you were to put yourself in that story, who would you be? Who would you be? Let's pray, and then we'll talk about it. Father, this is your time this morning. As we have already said, we have pushed pause, we have slowed down, and we want to hear from you. This has been quite the journey of looking at the, the prophet Jonah. And we ask, Father, that this morning you would continue to teach us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the question is, as we're talking this morning, who would you be in the story of Jonah? We know there's not too many characters. There's God. There's Jonah. There's the Ninevites. There's the sailors. And if you really want to count it, there's the fish, right? R roughly five character. Jack on his birthday is going to be the fish. Great, I don't have to ask you later. 
As we have looked at the prophet Jonah over the last three weeks, we've come to realize that figuratively speaking, he has been bowing down to several idols. Figuratively speaking, the idol of nationalistic pride, the idol of self or selfishness, the idol of religious stinginess. Now, hearing all these things, one would think, and looking more deeply into the heart, the character, the actions of Jonah, one would think that nobody would ever put themselves as him in the story. Nobody would want to be Jonah. Well, except the one person we would never have anticipated being Jonah. Jesus. Jesus. Two different gospel writers tell the story of crowds around Jesus, and they were saying, Jesus, prove who you are. Show us a sign. Prove it. And Jesus said, well, you remember the story of Jonah? I want to be that guy. Put myself in the story as that guy. Jesus did this. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41. I'll read from the screen. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an adulterous and evil generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Crowds are asking for a sign. Jesus says, remember the story of Jonah? Put me there. I want to be him. Same story, different gospel writer. Gospel writer Luke, chapter 11, verse 29 through 32. As the crowds pressed in on Jesus, he said this, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he was sent by God. The Queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Last week I asked the question, is the story of Jonah real? Is it literal? And I brushed right over it. I didn't answer it. This morning I want to tell you that I believe it's real. I believe it's real. And here's why. Jesus referenced it. Apparently he saw it as real, so therefore I'll think it's real. Fair? Fair enough. Okay. Who would you be in the story? Jesus says, I want to be, I want to be Jonah. And if you look from a bird's eye point of view, not from where we've been looking the last three weeks, but from a bird's eye point of view, you'll see there is a lot of similarities between Jesus and Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to proclaim a message. That meant leaving what Jonah knew, where Jonah knew, to go to a place that had the high probability of danger and risk. God the Father told Jesus to do the same thing. 
John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So Jesus had to leave the comforts of heaven, the intimate relationship he had within the Trinity, and go to a land that was not his own. He had to go to a a people that would be hostile and dangerous. Not just probably that, but that would be that. There's one similarity. The next one is this. In Jonah chapter 1, we see Jonah in a boat on a sea that was raging and stormy. He found himself asleep in that boat, only to be woken by a start by some terrified sailors who thought they were going to drown, when miraculously, because Jonah was tossed overboard, miraculously the water was calm. There was awe, there was amazement, and there was pointing to God. In Mark chapter 4, the life of Jesus, we find Jesus in a boat. We find him in a sea that gets stormy and raging. We find him asleep. And all of a sudden, the disciples wake him up. They're scared they're going to drown. And miraculously, with his voice, the sea becomes calm. Awe, amazement, and a pointing to God happens. Mark chapter 4, verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. This question and this response points to countless Old Testament passages that show God is in control of nature. Jesus said about Jonah, I want to be him in the story. Because there's some similarities, more than just the two we've hit on. Here's a couple of more. As we keep going, both Jonah and Jesus called people to repentance. Jonah's was through a prophetic message to the Ninevites in chapter 3, verse 4. The people heard the message, accepted the message, repented, and God offered forgiveness. He held back punishment. In the story of Jesus, Jesus also called people to repentance. The beginning of his ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus preached this, and for many people, repentance happened and forgiveness took place. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul would later write a letter to the church in Ephesus that had hints of Nineveh, but screams Jesus and the repentance. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, Paul writes, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That sounds like Nineveh. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Both Jonah and Jesus called for repentance, and forgiveness was and is offered. Now, still more similarities. In Jonah's life, the story tells us that he got pitched over the side of a boat. And we can guess that the sailors assumed him dead. As a sailor throwing a person into a raging sea, I would have assumed that this person was dead. Now, the text tells us that for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of a fish. And he experienced a figurative death. 
He even spoke of it when he prayed. Second half of verse 2 in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah says, I called to you, Lord, from Sheol, from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Second half of verse 6, same chapter. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. You brought up my life from the pit. Three days, three nights, and then amazingly, Jonah returns back to life. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? You guys are smart enough to catch on. Similar to Jesus, or similar to Jonah, Jesus, too, faced a storm of sorts. Timothy Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, says, Jesus on the cross was thrown into the ultimate storm of all the divine justice and punishment that we deserve for our wrongdoing. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 40, Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days, three nights. There's a time frame. There's death. Unlike Jonah's figurative death, Jesus's was literal. He was dead, dead. But same thing, three days later, miraculously, by the power of God, he was brought back to life. And as Luke 11.30 says, well, Jesus says, that sign that Jonah had, it's the same sign I'm going to give. Three days, three nights. The crowd said, hey, Jesus, would you show us a sign to prove who you are? And Jesus says, remember the story of Jonah? I want to be him. I want to be him. So who do you want to be? I mean, it'd be, pretty, it'd be pretty quick and easy for us to hear, well, Jesus and Jonah were similar, so I want to be like Jonah. I want to be like Jesus, so I want to be like Jonah. Guess what? You are like Jonah. I'm like Jonah, just differently than Jesus was. Jonah ran from God. We see this in chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. We run from God. Whether we've been following God for decades upon decades or whether we're not, there's still times when we run. We're not good enough. We're not. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, No one's righteous, not even one. No one's truly wise. No one is seeking God. They're running. Just like Jonah, we run from God. Now also, like Jonah, we oftentimes want our own way. Jonah wanted his own way, right? So much so that when he didn't get it, he was willing to say, okay, God, end me. Take my life. Jonah 4, verse 3. We, too, will say, God, I want it my way. And we prove that by the choices we make. Sometimes those are inadvertent choices. Sometimes we think the choices we make are leading us towards the right path. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a path for each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Now, James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires to get our own way. Our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Just like Jonah, we want our own way. More examples. Last week we talked about it sure seemed like Jonah gets it. That he understood. We looked at uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, and it seemed that Jonah was understanding God's mercies and God's salvation being available to everyone. And then when God made them available to the Ninevites, Jonah's like, oh, wait, 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 that's not what we signed up for. So he didn't get it. Now we may be thinking, ah, oh, we've progressed. 
We've grown. We've matured. We know this stuff to be true. We know the gospel, and it's always right. Well, if we think that we always get it right, all we have to do is look back on the apostle Peter, who walked the roads with Jesus, who was one of the best apostles around. And even he didn't always get it right. That's why in Galatians chapter 2, Paul said he had to confront Peter. He had to call him out. He had to say, look, you, you act one way when you're around one set of people, but you're acting another way when you're around this other set. You know we're not saved because we're Jews. We're saved by God's grace. Peter didn't always get the gospel right. Jonah didn't always get it right. We most definitely don't always get it right. We're like Jonah in that. We got one more way we're similar to Jonah, and we're going to end on a positive way. Just like Jonah, we too are called to go and share God's message. God told him, go. Give the people of Nineveh a message. God tells us, go. Give the world the message that I'm giving you. Refer back to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 16, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Like Jonah, we're told to go and tell. So if we were to put ourselves in the story, if we were to say, I want to be Jonah, we'd have to recognize we are like Jonah in a lot of ways that maybe we won't want to be like him, but maybe just one that we would. So the question comes, I come back to this, who do you want to be? I know Jack wants to be who? The fish. Okay? I have been thinking most of the week about this because I knew I was going to ask the question. So I'm not going to ask the rescue you who you'd want to be, but I will share who I'd want to be. After looking at Jonah, I wouldn't want to be him. I would want to be the Ninevites. I'd want to be the Ninevites. Not because they are a cruel and ruthless and mean type of people. No, I'd want to be the Ninevites because when God spoke to them, they listened. And they responded. Unlike Jonah, I don't want to worship idols of nationalistic pride or idols of self or idols of religious stinginess. I don't want to run from God when he tells me to do something. I don't want to be bitter when he forgives people who maybe I don't think should be forgiven. And I don't want to to think only of my own comfort if a tree grows, gives me shade, and then dies. I want to be the Ninevites because I know that I deserve death. I know that I deserve punishment. I know that I deserve eternal separation from God. The Ninevites deserved that. But just like them, I want to be able to repent, turn to God, and receive the forgiveness that he is willing to give. I want that. So how do we wrap up a series like this? Three weeks of, wow, challenge and one week of who do you want to be? Well, I think there's two different responses we can have to this. If we are already following Christ, if we have claimed him as Lord and Savior, accepted his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, then I think what we need to do from here on out is continue to root out the idols that are in our life. We need to pray a prayer like, God, what am I putting before you? What dark corners of my life do I not see that are really idols that I'm bowing down to that you need to root out so that I can worship you more fully? If you're following Christ, maybe that's what you need to do from here on out. Now, if you're not, 
Maybe you've never began a journey with Christ, or maybe you're running from him. Perhaps you come this morning thinking, I'm so far away from God, he'll never accept me. I knew him once, but I've ran so far that he doesn't want me back. Pastor James, have you seen my life? I'm, I'm wicked, I'm cruel, I'm worthless. No way he's going to take me. Look at the Ninevites. Look at Jonah. This guy who grew up in the church wandered. God took him back. If this is you, then your take-home point is this. It's time to stop being Jonah and start being the Ninevites. It's time to turn from the running and say, God, just like the Ninevites, I'm getting rid of my, my wicked ways. I'm seeking your face. I'm going to pray earnestly, and I'm going to trust that what you did for them, you will also do for me. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says this, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Hearing that, if you're part of the second group, let me tell you, it's time to stop running. It's time to stop running, and it's time to return to God. Now, if you decide to do that this morning, come and grab me afterwards. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to celebrate with you. But before you come and grab me, grab your neighbor and say, hey, I came in this morning as Jonah. I'm leaving as a forgiven Ninevite. In the grand story of life, where it's not make-believe, I want God to look down on all of us and say, hey, well done, my child. You were lost, but now you're found. Welcome to my presence where you can worship from here until eternity, with eternity starting today. Like the Ninevites, I've forgiven you. Like Jonah, I have forgiven you. That's not make-believe. That's reality. So in the story that we call life, that we can find in here, who do you want to be? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for stories like this, stories that are true, stories that point to others, but more so stories that point to ourself. God, in four weeks of studying Jonah, it is easy for me to see how much I am Jonah. And I seek your forgiveness for that. God, this morning I want to leave like the Ninevites, forgiven by a God who shows unfailing love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness. Father, I thank you that we don't have to earn that because there's no way we could. But I thank you that you offer it freely through Jesus Christ, the ultimate Jonah. I pray that we would cling to him for our salvation. And I pray, Lord, that as we move forward, you would help each one of us root out the idols that are in our lives so that we can worship you more fully and completely. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing?